Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy. And leaning into the entrepreneurial side of those who are inspired to do those kinds of things today, hearing from people who know a thing or two about launching some things We are joined today by Dr. Lawrence Shapiro from Between Sessions, and he's going to help impart some wisdom on taking some ideas from thoughts to products to multi-billion dollar success, hopefully, maybe. All right. Thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Shapiro. Well, thanks for having me. We are so excited to have you here. You and I've had a couple of conversations and you've been a friend to our show and we just really appreciate you being in uh, our quote unquote modern therapist community. So the first question we ask everyone is who are you and what are you putting out into the world? Well, I am a child psychologist by training. I've been in the business of psychology for many, many years since the 80s. Started a game company called Child's Work, Child's Play, not knowing anything at all about business or was a catalog company. Eventually, we were mailing 3 million catalogs a year and were an Inc. 500 company for two years in the 90s. And I, at the time, thought this is great. You know, I send out catalogs, people send me money, I send them stuff. After about three or four years, it, it was came somewhat easier than just doing child psychology, as you can imagine. And I, and I saw this is my calling. You know, nobody, you know, phones me at midnight to complain about their kids or their teens. <laughs> so from there, I sold the company, said, well, this is it. You know, this is all I've got. But apparently it wasn't. So I started another company and another company. And between sessions is about my fifth or a sixth company, which we've had about uh, now for five years, and we're happy that it's very successful. And, you know, I'm very much an advocate for entrepreneurship in the mental health field, because I think we need it. You know, things are changing all the time, particularly this year. And we need people who are understand mental health, who can contribute their special skills in a little different fashion, because it is very much a business. And, and my passion is always about reaching more people in an effective and, you know, evidence-based way. And we need to think out of the box. So I'm happy to share whatever insight I can. Oh, one of the things that Katie and I have learned through the years is that there's a lot of 
mental health professionals who have kind of that entrepreneurial drive and have a lot of ideas that we see things beyond the ways that we're taught in the classroom or in the training sites that we go to. Some of them just don't want to get those calls at midnight from clients. That's <laughs> One of the questions that we ask all of our guests is there's a lot of mistakes to be made down this pathway. And what are some of the things that you see people kind of getting wrong in these entrepreneurial steps that if we can share with our listeners, hey, here's some mistakes to avoid based on what other people have done, what kind of advice do you have? Well, above all, get used to making mistakes because that's... <laughs> I love it. Yes. yes. There's nothing wrong with any any entrepreneur will, you know, will tell you the same thing. You're going to, you have to make mistakes. You can't possibly not make mistakes. You're not you're doing something wrong if you're not making mistakes. But but the most important thing it really is having the passion to do it. I speak to a lot of people, particularly authors who, you know, have a book or they want to get out. And I used to do workshops on how to publish your self-help book. I've published about 75 books through different publishers, some self-published. And most of them, I would say almost 100% are good ideas. They're, they're worthy and and interesting books, but they don't write them. So if you don't do the work, whatever the work is, you've got to do the work, whether it's starting a company or making an idea happen or writing a book. The biggest thing is, is you just have to put in the time. And, and that can be hard for therapy because they, they don't have the skill set. Well, you learn the skill set. It's not, it, it's, it's not that hard. But, you know, setting a goal, deciding, you know, is this something that, that people want and then doing it. Of course, the biggest thing is you have to be solving a problem. A lot of people start off with an idea and I talk to people almost every week with some entrepreneurial idea and they, if they're not solving a problem. They, they have an idea. They get feedback from friends and family. Oh, I'd like to get, you know, a box every month of, of therapy tools and but that's not a problem that's that's an interest or it's an idea yeah. so so start with solving a problem and then figure out how to do it in in the most efficacious way and then the the business usually comes last you 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 know there's various ways to make money and obviously that's an important part of it but you've got to start with you know something that has value to other people and then, you know, business is about somebody buying something. And then if it has value, they'll buy it. Everything else will fall into line. I think that's so interesting because I think oftentimes we we have something that we enjoy doing and say, oh, wouldn't it be great if I could get paid for doing that? I love putting together therapeutic tools or whatever, right? Like I, I think it's, it's really important. And I, I like the way that you said this, that you understand what problem you're solving and you're passionate about solving it. Because I think if you just identify a problem, but you, it, it's grudging work, you know, there's going to be mistakes along the way. There's going to be challenges. And if you don't have the passion to kind of carry you through and actually get to implementation, I think that's hugely problematic. So I really like that. I guess one of the things that people do, especially therapists, is this idea of publishing books. And I know I am guilty. I have like three books between a quarter and probably three quarters written. <laughs> so oh, and, and, not- and I've written 70 books in my head. <laughs> I, don't think so, I don't think actually writing, writing is actually putting things down. But right. <laughs> yes, yes. You, 
Kurt's been thinking really hard and working on uh, some sort of magical way to get words from his brain onto a page. But I think for me, I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective for therapists, especially, because I think there's a lot that therapists tell their clients over and over. There's a lot, a lot of problems that therapists solve. And so many people think, okay, I'll write a book and that will be the, that will be my side business and it'll be glorious because <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the work's done and then I can just sit back and, and reap the profits, which of course we know is wrong. But anyway, what do you think the best way is for a therapist to get books published? Self-publish. There's no question about it. You know, there. Yeah. if you would ask me that, you know, five years ago, I would have said, well, consider traditional publishing, get an agent. You know, I've done that, but now it's it's absolutely self-publishing because it's just you anybody can do it. I mean, it's just yeah. a matter of writing the book and anybody can publish the book. Now that doesn't mean you're gonna make money with that book. And that's you know, the, the self average self-published book sells about a hundred, two hundred, three hundred copies, period. And and when you hear the if you go you know, on the internet and look at self-publishing sites, they'll tell you, you can retire and all that. It's just not true. (laughs) Um, You know, the average book across all kinds of publishing would be a good seller would be about 5,000 copies a year. And that would be, and and again, that's the first year. And then of course it's going to go down from there. People don't go to the Bahamas for uh, selling 5,000 books a year. Well, maybe they'll go at once, but that's about it. Uh, So, It's, you know, when you talk about people who are hugely successful, to give you some context, they're talking about 100,000 books or more. And it, you know, it just doesn't happen. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't publish a book. There are reasons to publish a book other than making direct income. The main reason is that it, it, it's great. And, and, and I would say your book is your best business card, whether you want to be in practice, whether you want to lecture, uh, and, there's, and there's a lot better ways to make money than from a book, but a book's a great place to start. So it's not going to bring in necessarily direct income, but it's going to be leverage you in, into some other, it just gives you so much credibility, whatever it is you want to do. And hopefully that book is about your core passion, your core interest, and that's where you can leverage into something else. You know, there's certain things that are just better business ideas. Books are not one of them. Uh, apps, are, <laughs> apps are not one of them. Uh, okay. And okay. I, so, you know, I have, having been in business now for 30 plus years, I obviously have my prejudices about what works and what doesn't work. But a book is a great place to start. But if nothing else, a book will give you the discipline of of going from A to Z, seeing that you know thing done, and and learning about what it takes to get something done. So this the same skill set, whether you're doing a course, whether you're doing a product, whether you're starting some kind of an internet company, it's just all the same same skill set. So a book is actually a really really great place to start. It's just not going to be you know the end of it all. And and that's the other part of it is that entrepreneurship, just like being a therapist, it's it's there's not it's not like I'm gonna do this and then I'm gonna stop. You don't stop. That's no. that's that's what you do. You're an entrepreneur. You you take that company, you deal with the problems, maybe you sell the company, you go to a different company. It's a it's a journey and I think people watch Shark Tank too much, you know. <laughs> And, 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 and see, you know, my gosh, if I just get, have a better sponge, you know, I have a billion dollar, you know, billion dollar company, just 
you know, for the most of us, it doesn't work that way. It's a learning process and you have to be in it for the ride. Thrizer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thrizer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. When Lawrence first started talking about, you know, oh, self-publish this book, this is the greatest way. I felt so inspired. I'm like, oh, I should get this done. And then he kept talking and I was like, oh, that sounds like a lot of work <laughs> and because there's a lot of steps that I imagine that happen in that whole manufacturing process, whether it's a book, whether it's creating a, a product, a, an app or any of these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. How do you manufacture those kinds of ideas and, and during what I'm assuming is a lot longer process also be able to kind of protect this idea from other people swooping in and stealing it if they've got kind of their process down faster and, and better already. Well, you know, the protection is, is a, is a question I often get asked and there's some very basic principles you can get on the internet. You know, if you want to copyright something, you can copyright any intellectual property, uh, you can words, drawings, music. And and putting the copyright note and, and the year, copyright between sessions 2020, that gives you some protection. You can register the copyright with the Library of Congress, which gives you more protection. You can trademark a name. Again, you can put the letters TM. That gives you some protection. But normally, you would have to file the trademarks of the, of the U.S. government to get full protection. But the truth of the matter is probably nobody wants your idea. <laughs> so you can, <laughs> Sorry you can, to say, Kurt, nobody wants your idea. <laughs> you can protect it all you want. If, it was, if it's a really good idea, really, 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 really good idea. Yeah, I think the MySpace people thought they had a really good idea. And then Facebook came along and they had a much better idea. So if they really want it, they'll find a way how to do it. But most people, you know, ideas just are, are just ideas. They're, they're not. There are very few things that I've done uh, or, or I've seen anyone else done that, that need that level of protection. Clearly, if you write something, you want to put the copyright on that written word because that does give you, you know, if, if someone, uh, then you see it on the Internet and it's your words with someone else's copyright, then that's that's not right. But, you know, the middle thing to worry about, there's just so much more in terms of creating that, whatever it is. And then, uh, of course, marketing, you know, the the, the two basic principles of what am I going to do? I'm going to write a book and publish it. Not hard. Market. That's another story. So protection is, is a piece of the puzzle, but it's not that important. 
to Kurt's point, there is this huge process that you're going to engage in, whether it's, you know, actually writing a book, going through all the steps, getting it published, you know, figuring out how to do self-publishing with Amazon and other odds and ends, all of that, or creating a therapeutic product or identifying some other type of service or something like when you're stepping outside of creating a therapy practice, I think it would be hard to decide like, what should I create and then how do I actually go about doing that? So, so what advice do you have related to identifying which type of product or service you should create? And then how do you kind of make sure that you're able to implement it? Well, uh, good questions. You know, I think most people I talk to have an idea. They already know what they want. And that's a really, really good thing. What you don't want to do is ha- is say to yourself, no one's ever done this before. No one's ever thought about this before. <laughs> that is- I that is a horrible thing, and when I've done that, I usually don't, you know, succeed. What I want to do is say, well, here's look at that. Look what someone did. That's interesting, but I can do it better, because you you don't want to, you know, originality is great, but if you remember the the old Hertz and Avis thing, you want to you really want to be number two. You don't let somebody else be number <laughs> one, and and just make it better. So. If you have an idea for something, you're pro- it's probably something you've seen before. Personally, I like to synthesize things. So I see, well, here's here's a website that does this. That's kind of interesting. Well, I'll tell you the genesis of Between Sessions. The first I was in the, the I did a lot of workbooks and I had a, a company called Instant Help Press. This is before Kindle. And we just did PDFs on workbooks for counselors on Tourette's syndrome or things that counselors may not know about. And I, and the idea was you've got a kid coming into your office with Tourette's syndrome. You've never treated that before. Well, you can go online, download the PDF and have tools to work with that child. And then I sold that company to New Harbinger Publications and, and they did a much, much better job than I could <laughs> ever done because they're, they're, you know, really great publishers. And then years later, I said, well, you know, that it's great having all these workbooks, but they're, you know, they get expensive and you all of a sudden you've got a bookshelf full of workbooks. And and I said, well, what if there were just, the workbooks were 40 activities. And I said, well, what if there were just, just the activities? And what if I could take all these, and I, another company was Child's Work and we had done a lot of activity books through them. And I went to them and said, well, can I take your books and chop them up and make individual worksheets instead of workbooks? And that was the genesis of Between Sessions. So we were able to open a membership site. Instead of buying 50 books or whatever number of books, you just go on the site, pay a monthly fee, and then download a worksheet at a time instead of having to go to your library and find the workbook and copy the, the worksheet and get it to your client. So that that's an example of, of taking two different ideas you know, workbook and membership sites, and then making something new. That's that's the kind of business that, that I encourage people to go to because those are already successful businesses. So, so there are ways to leverage success. And I think usually that's by looking at what's worked in the past, particularly if you're new to being an entrepreneur. You know, you're re- there's just not much new under the sun and you're probably not going to invent something that nobody's ever seen before. So find 
things that have been successful and make them better. What you do know, I started out, I said my catalog company was a game company. This is back before the internet. And in Philadelphia, we had a bookstore called the How to Do It Bookstore. So I wanted to start a catalog. So I went and bought a book that said how to start a catalog. I read the book. I did exactly what they said. Why would I do what I think? Because they knew what to do. And there I had a catalog and it was, you know, successful. And and every time I did something, I went to the How to Do It bookstore and got a book <laughs> on, you know, how do you start a, how to start a magazine, how to whatever what was. And of course, now we have the internet. We don't have to uh, go very far to find out. Somebody will tell you how to do it. Listen to what they say. They, they've done it. So, yeah. you know, you, you know find, find that way and follow the recipe that's been successful for someone else. Yeah, I like that because it's, it's I'm, I'm still going to say people are creating something a little bit new. It's kind of this incremental innovation. It's finding something that's worked and then solving the next problem for mm-hmm. it. Because it, to me, it seems like when we're looking at workbooks, I, I think that makes sense. Like, I don't want a whole workbook. I want a worksheet. You know, and so being able to say, okay, how do I solve that? And then how do I take other things that have worked to help solve that effectively? And and to me, that makes entrepreneurship feel a little less daunting. I don't have to to be in a completely blue ocean, for example. Mm-hmm. I can actually just kind of incrementally solve problems that are are coming up as things that are successful maybe don't outlive their purpose, but also aren't completely solving the problem they initially solved as things moved on. I, I'm thinking about going to marketing, but Kurt has a very thoughtful face on. So did you have a question too? <laughs> I'm kind of interested in this process of, it, you've started several different ideas and, and different things. You've sold things off. I think that there's a lot of people who are very passionate about things. They they see this avenue towards, you know, I'm going to create this book or this course or things around a, a certain clinical population that seems to be their life calling. I'm wondering about this process of like, I'm going to invest a bunch of time and energy in this, and then I'm going to just give that away for a chunk of money and then kind of start with something new and kind of looking from your experience of finding new inspiration and new creativity that happens seemingly every few years for you and how you go through that emotional process of not being so attached to an idea that you can get as part of your business and still be able to succeed and move on. Yeah. You know, I I think you have to know where your strength is. For me, it, it is in that, you know, creative process where I can say, Okay, here's, well, I'll take an idea I'm working on right now. All therapists, of course, are doing Zoom and using our Between Sessions products, which is great. But one clear gap in the market are play therapists. And that, of course, is my background. And I say to myself, if only there was a virtual play therapy room. If you could go to an app or a website and you could look at the person, but play a game or do the kind of thing, a doll play or do a drawing. And we hear all the time that there's just nothing like that. And, and it's a clear problem that needs to be solved. So I've identified the problem. Then I'm going to look at who does something similar. And I've found who those people are. And I don't, and I think I can do better than they are. And that's, that's where my strength is, is being able to, you know, see something new, seeing here, here's something that fits in the market. Then when it now, so now we've got software that has to get made, could be 
computer software or an app or whatever. That's fun. But then my personal, my interest goes down from there. I like the first part. <laughs> I, I love it. Here's a great idea. I know how to do it. Maybe I'll draw it, even do a wireframe, which is a blueprint of how an app might work. And then all the rest of it, you have to do it. But that's, you know, my strength is in the first part. So when it comes to, if someone said to me, well, that's a great idea. I, I'd like to do it. I said, okay, well, why don't you do it? And I'll partner with you. Someone else might be more in the, you know, execution of it, you know, in terms of the programming or, or designing that program. Some people are really good at that. Some people may be in the sales and the marketing. I can do all those things, but what I love is the first part. Probably most people are like me. So you have to know, you know, what you're good at. I always encourage people to look for partners because if you have a partner, then they've got another skill set. And they've got two partners. And then now you've got three people with three different skill sets. And if you're running a business, you probably need five different skill sets. So either you are going to have all five or you're going to deal with people, but you're going to have to get all five one way or the other to have a real ongoing business and, you know, and not have people call you in the middle of the night to complain about the kids. <laughs> they still may. <laughs> no, they actually don't. <laughs> they got the wrong number if they're, if they're calling me. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think I I go back and forth on whether I'm most interested in kind of the visionary creative process or the implementation and kind of actually bringing something into fruition. I think I I go between the two, but it is an exciting process at initial stage. And to me, you know, kind of getting actually through to implementation, I think a lot of people spend a lot of energy, time, money just getting to that implementation. And it really isn't done there because there's the, the need to market to, to kind of grow that. You know, we don't necessarily need to go deep into it. We, we do have other episodes on marketing, but I, I would just love to hear your perspective on kind of marketing a product or service that you've created after you've kind of got through the blood, sweat, and tears of this creativity and then implementation. Yeah. Well, well I, I think marketing, and, and anyone will pretty much tell you the same thing, is about building your platform, platform being an audience. You know, when I published my first book with HarperCollins, and they had a lot of people they could choose from, but I was lecturing. So I was talking to 7,000 therapists a year, and they said, that's great. We can sell 7,000 books. Same thing is true today, whether it's Facebook followers, whether it's people in your email list. When you've built that platform, you then it's easy to market. My own prejudice, and I think prejudice towards most people, is email marketing. It's for for the time you spend and the results you get, I think pretty much anyone will tell you the same thing. That's the way to go. So that that's a list. You're, you're going to build a list. We now have about 100,000 therapists that we mail every single week. Obviously, they all don't open it, but many do. And, and that's how we, what marketers call down the funnel. The funnel is, you know, the top of the funnel are people who never heard of you. You get them into the funnel. So they're following you on Facebook or they've signed up for your email. And then you bring them down over time by giving them value-added content usually. And finally you say, well, you know, this guy's good and his company looks like it's interesting and the price isn't too bad. I'll give it a try. And then that's, that's what mar- all marketing is. 
Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. I want to jump on that point of the value added piece. And when Katie had, had first started talking with Between Sessions about becoming a sponsor for the show here and about Lawrence coming onto the show, and she's like, you know, have you ever heard of Between Sessions before? And I'm like, yeah, I've been on their email list for years. Like this is, I get added to <laughs> everybody's email list i katie makes fun of me I, I think on my my iphone here my unread emails is up near one hundred and fifty thousand right now oh and, my gosh <laughs> but the ones that i do choose to open are the ones that seemingly add value to me or my practice and, and lawrence has done this for for decades now and, and really knows kind of what's what's out there for the market that he has so it's not just accumulating numbers but it's accumulating good content for the numbers that you have and, and really being able to speak into the the market that you have so it's not just a matter of marketing it's being effective with it well yes of course you know and and marketing is about metrics about data so if we send out you know fifty thousand emails and we get a four percent open rate that's terrible we've done nobody's really <laughs> you know uh the industry average is probably 16 percent. so then that's good if i can get 16 percent of the people to open my email we we can get 20 30 or even 40 percent now i'm doing something right but content which is that's is called content marketing you're giving people something on a regular basis that's valuable to them. It, it could be could be a podcast. It could be, in our case, it's it's worksheets. It could be, you know, infographics. There's all, you know, different kinds of content. But people like free stuff. So you know, if you give people free stuff that has value, they appreciate it, and that's they're going to be your follow you. Uh, they're going to get interested in your company. They're going to know your name. And that's what that's what's called content marketing, which is a very you hear that an awful lot. Uh, you've got to give people and again, when I talk to people with a new idea, the idea is fine. You know, I've, I've built a better mousetrap. That's great. But how are you going to get people to learn about, you know, we know from marketing that you've got to hear about it six to eight times before you even think about purchasing something. So how do you get that audience and how do you keep them engaged in, in what you're doing? And that's 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 the job. That's what marketing is is about. You know, you you may have a great mousetrap, but until people know why it is and want to you know get involved, in it doesn't really matter. You said a couple of different times, or or maybe even more than that, that there is a lot of folks that are talking to you. And one of the things you said, I think, the first conversation we had was, was it a goldfish tank? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I would love to let others in on what you're talking about. Cause I love this idea. And I think it's such a helpful idea for, our, you know, especially our modern therapists who are, you know, they're, they're creative, they're entrepreneurial minded, and they're kind of all over the place. Some of them. <laughs> well, the goldfish tank is, is, is me. And, uh, <laughs> I'm the goldfish. And, and in reference to shark tank. <laughs> and, well, you know, it, you know, shark tank is, is, Mark Cuban and billionaires. And this is yes, yes. You know, with money to invest. This is just 
you know, a psychologist giving you advice from a business perspective. And I'm happy to do it. I talk to people every week and they tell me what their ideas are. And I give them the best opinion I can as to what the, and help if possible. For example, if someone came to me and said, I have a finished product and I thought this is a great and people need to know, but we'd put them in our newsletter. We'd, we'd get that out to 100,000 people. So we, we can, and, and there's no cost. We just do it for the sake of doing something good in the world, like I think most of mental health professionals do. So it's just giving people feedback. And I, uh, you know, I have plenty of opinions. They're not always right. But I can tell you, as I said, you know, books are great, but you probably won't retire on it. Don't do an app because that's not a good idea. Why? You probably want to know. An app, <laughs> you know, and I was so excited when people started making mobile apps. I said, this is going to change everything. You're going to have it, something in your pocket that's going to help you. But the economy of an app, uh, a book might cost you a th- maybe $1,000. to, to You got to write it, but then to produce it, maybe $2,000. An app is going to cost you $20,000, A book is going to sell for $20. An app is going to sell for $3. So <laughs> the economics are just wrong. You're going to invest yeah. all this money in a product that is not going to sell for very much. And the odds of you succeeding are very, very uh, low. Books, on the other hand, you know, if you invest a couple thousand dollars, you absolutely get that money back. You know, even, you know, either maybe sales of the book, but at least, and in, in again, as a stepping stone to something else. I want to ask about kind of the relationships that businesses have with each other. And especially as, you know, we see more and more of these kind of affiliate programs develop. And this is something that I think other industries have utilized a lot better than kind of in this mental health space so far. But with Between Sessions Resources, how do you develop some of these affiliate resources? What are some of the things that you look for for those audience members who are looking to make that next step up and and leverage some of their relationships with other companies? What are something that an established company like Between Sessions looks for when we're talking about developing relationships? Yeah, well, you know, you, first of all, you've got to know who, if someone comes to us and says, we've got a great idea for your blog, we're not a blog. <laughs> so so, so <laughs> we, I can't help you. Know or, who you're talking to. Yeah, know who you're talking to and what they want. Now, if somebody says, I've got a, you know, an ebook that you might be interested in promoting or, or worksheets I'd like you to look at, that's what we do. So, you know, and, and, and I, by the way, I'm in the same boat. We're still a pretty little fish. So I'll go to bigger companies like BetterHelp, for example, which is, of course, a, a, a huge online therapy business. And, and they have thousands of therapists providing uh, services to tens and hundreds of thousands of people. And I would like BetterHelp say, why don't you give them therapeutic homework? That's what I do. And let's talk about how we can work together. Well, about 100 emails uh, later, I still haven't heard a word from BetterHelp. Uh, (laughs) But that doesn't stop me. So, you know, you may, and believe me, if you write me, at least I'll write you back, even if I say we're not a blog. But you've, so you need persistence. and, And most of all, you need to, you need to know what they want. Generally speaking, you know, organizations, they, they they develop the things internally. Rarely do they someone they get an email or a phone call and say, "God, I, I never thought of that. That's wonderful." It just 
doesn't happen too much, but but be persistent, reach out, but understand them. That they're, they're, it's not their job to understand you. It's your job to understand them. And if you can help them with their business, that's, of course, what they want to hear. I think that's so important. Kind of that mutual benefit is is very, very important. And I we get so many people wanting to do all of these things for us that either we've already done or have nothing to do with us. And I think that's that's really, really interesting that that's, you know, that there's this huge amount of time spent reaching out to folks without really understanding their business or or what would be beneficial to them that would actually get them to the table with you. Yeah, yeah, you have to, you have to, you know, if you have got a good idea, then definitely look for a partner. That's that's a great thing to do, but it's got to be value added to them as well as as to you. And I always say, don't fall in love with your product. That's the first thing I tell people. And then, of course, I always fall in love with my product. I never take my own advice. <laughs> it's like someone saying, don't fall in love with your, you know, a pretty, you know, whoever you're in love with. That's what you're in love with. So you. Your children don't fall in love with your children. Well, of course, you fall in love with your children. Then your children, same thing with that. But that being said, don't fall in love with your product because well, when you okay, fall now in I love, need to. Yeah, now the, I want to ask a question. Why? Why don't you fall in love with your product? Well, you shouldn't. I, I always do, but you be, <laughs> because you 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 become uh, you you love is love. Love is blind, and you say this is you know this is great. And the, and the, what people do is they say I've I've made this game. I've I've probably seen. 500 games and, and, and people say, that, you know, I've, I took it to my family. They love the game. Of course they love the game. They're your family. Uh, or I took it to this classroom and then the kids went crazy. Well, of course, because they weren't doing their math. They love, they much rather play your game. So people fall in love and then they lose all perspective and then they go find other people who will support their infatuation. And, and you've got to just be, you know, at some point, and and usually that point is you know when you've got to pay a bill that you don't have the money to pay and then people say well is this really a good idea how come people don't love it the way i love it cuz they don't but you have to be it, business is business and business you know is data driven and follow you know what the data is and and follow what the economics are and that's how you create a business it's wonderful to you know you can fall in love with your art art's great you can do a painting or a sculpture and fall in love with that you know that's that's just just an aesthetic choice or fall in love with a hobby but business is business and you and you have to at the end of the day you'll have to follow the the rules and laws of business if you're going to be successful but nothing wrong you can be in love just understand you know love is blind <laughs> Our guest today is Dr. Lawrence Shapiro. Where can people find out more about you and all of your projects and workings? Sure. They can go to betweensessions.com, of course. They can email me at uh, drlawrenceshapiro at gmail. Those are probably the best ways. They can go to Amazon, find me on Amazon if they're looking for uh, books, particularly in the child area. But I'm always happy to answer emails and help people in any way I can. And we'll include links to those in our show notes. You can find those at mtsgpodcast.com. And please come over and join our Facebook group. That's the Modern Therapist Group. Like us on our social media. And until next time, I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Renoy and Dr. Lawrence Shapiro. Remember to check out Thryzer. 
They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. 